This is The Camp with Zach Heilprin and the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Yes, welcome into The Camp. I'm Zach Heilprin. That is the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Well, guess what? You thought last week was bad, right? Badgers had something more for you on Saturday. They fall to Northwestern, 24-10. to The score much... Not, the score not indicative of what Northwestern did to Wisconsin, especially in the first half. It was a beatdown in the first half. The Badgers, per usual, decided to play a little bit better in the second half, but irrelevant. And I think the game itself kind of is relevant at this point. It is what was said after the game that I think we need to start with here, Jesse, because I uh, don't recall too many players being as blunt about their assessment of this team, their assessment of this program, the assessment of where things stand right now than what Hunter Wohler was after the game. And again, I know Tanner Mordecai said some things and Luke Fickle said some things, but Hunter Wohler was passionate. He was emotional. He was clearly hurt. And he went out and said what I think a lot of people maybe were feeling about it and feeling what was happening in the locker room. But my goodness, he was, uh, he laid bare what was what he believes ails this team. I give Hunter and the five other players who decided to come out and speak to us for post-game interviews a ton of credit. It is never easy, especially after losing like that in a fashion that Luke Fickle said was an embarrassment. And you're right, Zach. Been covering this team for 13 seasons now. That was an all-time post-game press conference. I It might be number one. There are very few on that list. Um, Colin Wilder's yeah passionate post-game speech after the Notre Dame loss up at Soldier Field was in there. But this was um, someone who's willing to take accountability. He put it on himself in part and to try and hold others accountable. And I know they're only words, but when we talk to players and coaches, all we ask of them is to be honest. And not only was he honest, but he kind of laid his soul bare here. And among the many things that he said was, this is not what I came to Wisconsin for. This is miles different from what I grew up watching. And I think that's important context to set this whole thing up because Hunter was the first four-star safety from the state in the internet recruiting rankings era. He picked Wisconsin over Ohio State. And I remember talking to Hunter and his dad about this when he committed. One of the reasons he did so was he, he came back up for a December bowl practice, was meeting with Paul Christ. And in that conversation, they were talking about raising the bar higher and aiming toward winning a national championship because Hunter had spent the last decade watching Wisconsin play in four Rose Bowls, an Orange Bowl, a Cotton Bowl. And now here they are sitting at five and five, fourth consecutive disappointing season. And what's interesting is he opened his nine minute session by saying he had no words. And boy, did he have plenty. He did. And I, I mean, we can go through some of them if we want, because a, uh, almost every answer was really good. Um, yes. I mean, in terms of to describe what exactly is playing out. I I personally think um, the idea of what's going to be happening today kind of really gets to it. You, uh, you know, I, I think it was your final question. You had the final question, right? Um, yes. And it was, and it was, is there situations where you see guys not buying in? Um, what does that look like? And he, you know what? Let's just play it for people here. They can hear this um, because this, this was his, kind of his uh the finishing touch on on what he was talking about lack of effort lack of care and i take responsibility for not calling guys out i think 
you know, we got the locker room is very tight, and we have a lot of guys that, that really, really love being together and love being around each other. Um, but it comes a point where someone has to speak up and be the asshole. Someone has to someone has to tell people to stop screwing around and stop going through the motions and play. Otherwise, get out. We, we don't we don't need people here that aren't going to give their hearts for this team. Um, so it's there's going to be some weeding out, and that's you know every every team has to do that. And we've hit rock bottom right now. And when you hit rock bottom, there's you take a long, hard look at yourself, and that's that's what's going to have to be done over the next 24 hours, and over the next really 24 hours. That's all we have because there's a game next week, so we're going to have to figure it out real quick. So there it is. I mean, he's talking about weeding guys out because um, someone needs to stand up and be what he said, the asshole. I I, I couldn't agree more. I think we kind of talked about it last week. It felt like, and again, I'm not going to be sitting here and saying. Um, that uh, I'm a body language expert. I'm not going to do that, but it, it felt flat. It felt flat last week. It felt flat this week. And, you know, th- that can't happen. That's on the leaders. That's on people, you know, calling others out. And he ad- he admitted that he needs to be better, as you just heard. But that uh, that to me makes sense. Yeah. And among the many other things that he said was that he said our backs are up against a wall like they've never been before. And then yep. and then he, he said, you know, how many guys really do give a bleep bleep about this team, about this program, about the culture, about winning and losing and about each other. And that's when he, he mentioned yet again, that there's going to need to be some, some weeding out. And I thought that was, so I have a lot of thoughts about this. I'm going to try to put them together in a coherent way for the listeners. Um, you know, again, we've been covering this team for a long time. This has been four straight seasons of, of disappointing football and for the most part. And if you go back to the middle of the 2020 season after that 2-0 start when things started to unravel, the Badgers are 23-18 and 18 during that stretch. And I, I felt from listening to, to Fickle and those players, and this, this is my perspective, and this is what I wrote about in my column, never during this stretch has it felt more desperate um, for, for what Wisconsin – wants to be and how it gets there. And and I fully realized that just a year ago, Chris McIntosh fired Paul Christ one day after a loss to Illinois in which it looked like the Badgers quit. That was desperate. But at the time, it was like, okay, what what's happening here? It's no longer working. So we need to make a change. So if nothing else, while it was desperate, felt like the players responded reasonably well through that adversity. And there was always this thought, at least in my mind, well, Something else is coming on the horizon. Then they hire Luke Fickle. Oh, something better is here. And now you're 10 games into this season, and what you thought was going to be better is not better. And and that's not to say that it can't get better. Like I don't want to, I don't want to put the um the the finishing touch on what Luke's tenure is here. That's not fair. He's got years, but I think it's just it feels more desperate because what you thought was going to work is not working. And now it certainly looks like they're going to have to pivot in some capacity. And, and we can talk about what that means. I'm not exactly sure what that means right now. But when you hear guys talking, and Hunter was among several, and Luke Luke talked about this too, where you've got a, you're at a point in the season where you need to figure out who's in and who's out. I mean, that is just, that just shows you how, how far Wisconsin has fallen right now. And I don't know what the reason for that is. You bring in a lot of transfers, you've got freshmen, and then in the portal, I think, obviously, it, it, it is a gift, but 
it can also be a challenge because you're trying to have all these people come together for whatever reason. And there are many, it is not working right now. And so that's kind of my, one of my takeaways is it felt a little desperate because if people had the answers, they would find them. And right now they do not have those answers. So th- that certainly makes sense to me. I, the the other thing that kind of stood out and jumped out to me, th- they're talking about the who's in and who's out because yeah. we heard this. Didn't we hear the same thing last year? Didn't we hear? I mean, them we've talk- heard it a couple times. Yes, but like last year it was well. We're this week we're going to find out who's in and who's out. And is it is it anything more in your mind than just a talking point? Or do you think that's it, that there is going to be weeding out? Are we going to see guys? not be here are we going to see guys not be around when they play nebraska next week i feel like that might be like i don't think we're going to see a mass exodus of guys here you know what i mean like i i don't think there's going to be a pruning of the roster uh between now and and nebraska i don't know what this looks like to uh, to weed guys out like what yeah. what do you think that looks like i don't even know what that looks like i'm not sure what it looks like either and and i i don't know at this point in the season, whether they're going to make wholesale changes, but I certainly think whenever that off season finally arrives, whether it's after the Minnesota game or whether it's the Badgers managing to win one of these last two against Nebraska or Minnesota and playing in a lower tier bowl game, there are going to be some very serious conversations with players. We know now with the way the transfer portal is that they are going to be players that, that go and maybe they will be nudged out, but it's certainly notable to hear basically everybody say something to that effect. And and when I, this may have been in the clip you played Zach, but when I pressed Hunter on what exactly that is, he talked about guys not having the, the care and the effort. Um, and it sort of sounded like this is not just a talking point that you say after you've lost four out of five games. To me, it felt like this is something that Hunter had been seeing inside the program and is only now willing to express that because his frustration is overflowing. So it is a challenge to parse through what all of this means because you and I only have an opportunity to talk to Luke Mondays at noon, to talk to players Tuesday afternoon, and then to watch the game and talk to them after the game. And and what I mean by that is we're not in those meetings. We're not at practice right now. So I, but I do think that is notable for Hunter to to go that in depth and and say someone needs to be the a hole, and he's willing to be that guy. There were some people in my mentions that were wondering why this didn't happen when Luke Fickle first came in. It, did he give guys too much of a leash? Did he not put the foot down right away? Because I remember when we were talking to him, he wanted everybody to stay. That yeah. was that was there from the previous year. At least that's what he said. Um, but in terms of just getting, quote unquote, rid of guys, he didn't do it. He didn't like scholarship guys. He didn't do outside of Marcus Allen. And Marcus Allen was given a second chance and was around, you know, was there in uh, the spring. So it's. They didn't. And again, they were in a much different situation than what Barry Alvarez walked into, right? Yes. But, uh, you know, it's he famously was like, you know, hmm. we're going to find out who wants to be there here and who doesn't. They did that through hard work. They did that through the winter. All those guys, these guys, they all did the same thing. They they went through that same process, but um, there's more to it there. I, I Do you 
think that this should have been done early? Do you, earlier? Do you think because uh, who was it? Uh, Brian Calhoun, former Wisconsin running back, was like, "You're waiting until two games to do this to the last two games to do this. Why?" Well, the joke about Barry that a lot of players like to say now is that they would run away during the middle of the night in the seminary and through the fields and never come back because uh, things were so hard and so challenging. This, You're right. It's it's a different situation. I do think I go back to something that Luke said on multiple occasions when he took over that one of the reasons he was intrigued by this program was because it had a strong foundation and a strong culture. And um, that starts in the locker room. And so that's not to say that there's not a strong culture in the locker room right now, because again, you and I are not in the locker room, but I think you can't know what you don't know. And they worked their butts off in the off season. So it wasn't like they just didn't work hard. And in doing some of those things, the mat drills, the squad fest, whatever else they did in the off season, which clearly hasn't um, manifested itself into victories on the field, but in doing all that, that was done in part to see who's willing to, put in the work, but for whatever reason, it hasn't come together. And I don't know whether it's guys who are part of the program these last few years that aren't buying in. I don't know whether it's transfers who have come in. Um, Maybe it's a little bit of both. Again, this is uh, the core group of guys were a part of this program that did not have a lot of success the last three seasons. So they weren't particularly good before and they're not good now. And it's hard to gauge how much of it is not having the right attitude and, and who those players are, but I don't necessarily blame fickle for, for that. Like it was a lack of effort on his part when he came here. I think it's just more, you've got to learn about your guys through the grind and no amount of mat drills or off season workouts are going to show you. But when you get through, get into a season where, and he was asked about this, there are high expectations and now they every goal they've had is gone. It's not just, oh, be a college football playoff team or reach the Big Ten championship or have a legitimate chance to win the Big Ten West late in the season. You got nothing. You're playing for a, a bowl game streak to reach 22 years, which is not what Wisconsin's program should be. When all that when that stuff falls away, he's really finding out about his team. And And I think the other thing worth noting, and maybe people don't care about this, you can tell in these post-game press conferences the last two weeks. Luke is seething, and he he did not mince words. He said, that's embarrassing. And he also said, I take the blame for it, not having guys ready, not in any phase of the game. To me, that's more concerning. As a staff, you get paid all this money, and I know the players go out and play. You have to get them ready, and and they were not ready. And I, there's just so many reasons for that. It, I, I wrote as well, it's like they've been trying to fit a, a, a round peg into a square hole all season. But Mm -hmm. it's just it's been a disaster all the way around. Let me end with that. It I mean, it certainly has been. And, you know, I would expect Luke to say that. Right. I mean, he's he's got he's not going to call out individual people. But when asked specifically, Hunter Wooler would not blame the coaches. Right. Right. He he, uh, sounded very much more like he was putting it on the players. Uh, There's no perfect call. There's no perfect assignment. That's what those are his words. Nothing the coaches could have done differently tonight would have made us win that game. So, yes, the coaches for sure. But, you you know, the follow up question was, do you think the locker room has bought into this new staff? Yeah. And he said that's a tough question because there's some people that have bought in, some people that haven't. And if the people that haven't, uh, why are they still in the locker? Yeah. 
it's a, it's a right. And it's a good question. And I don't know if it's a player seeing that where coaches don't see that again, that's where it's hard to parse this all out because when you don't have, if you're not going to name names and you would never do that (laughs) in a, in a press conference type situation, then you don't exactly know what that means, but it did feel like that was something he'd been wanting to get off his chest because when he was asked that question, there was a very long pause. Like he was trying to figure out how exactly he wanted to provide that answer, but it was something that he had clearly been thinking about. Yeah. Again, it's a difficult situation he found himself in and he is, you know what? And this shouldn't be a surprise because he um, played under him and um, was a huge fan of him. And we know how much he wanted him to get the job, but he talks, he has last night, not so much, but for the most part, talk has talked exactly like Jim Leonard. Like I, mm-hmm. whenever, whenever I hear him talking, it's almost like I'm listening to Jim Leonard talk. Um, just his, his cadence, the way that he says things, it's just very, very similar to that. Uh, but last night he was emotional and he actually apologized after, uh, <laughs> after the press, con- after the presser, not for what was said, but the way in which he said it specifically, like ha- having some swears and everyone's like, we're the media. We hear that stuff. We we talk like that. That's just what it is. But uh, he he is not usually like that. I thought Tanner Mordecai was even more, maybe more frustrated, and he mm-hmm. but but he did not come out and say all the things that Hunter did. He was a lot shorter, but th- there was a lot of like I, I don't want to say eye rolling, but just you, you talked about Luke Fickle seating. Tanner was seating and embarrassed and frustrated, and this is not what he thought he was getting into. And again, he wasn't perfect yesterday by any stretch, but. Uh, him fighting through, you know, being less than a month out from surgery and go, going out there and playing, he did what he could. Um, but it, it, this is not what anybody, anybody expected. These were a couple of the questions that I asked him in the response that I got. And it just felt like, and Tanner, obviously, based on our interactions with him, he's he's not a big uh talker in these post-game media sessions he's he's about that action boss right (laughs) to use the the marshawn lynch quote i said why is this offense not consistently clicked he said i have no idea i wish i did i don't have the words for it and then when i said that luke had brought up the fact that he called this an embarrassment i said is that how the players feel there were these long pauses and just he said i'm very embarrassed yeah very so you can Again, when we're talking about trying to parse things out and what what things mean, you can tell that there is a lot more on his mind, but he's just not the type to say it like Hunter is. But he didn't come back for for another season of college football to to have this happen. And it's been it's not been the year that certainly he wanted to put himself in a better position to make the NFL. And it's not been the year anybody wanted. So we're doing this for a second straight week. Figuring out where the program actually it's the third straight week because we did it after Ohio State as well. All the <laughs> all all the good things that we saw, right? And the improvement from last year. And now they're at a, a new low. And whether yes. you think that whether you think this is lower than what it was after the Illinois game or after the Michigan State game last year or after the Minnesota game last year, what whatever that low was, is this low lower? I think it's a really Tough question to answer, but a reasonable question that you're asking, Zach, because I mentioned this before. To me, where Wisconsin is at right now feels more desperate in the sense that last year when you fired Paul, you felt like, well, this is a lost season, but but hopefully answers are coming. And some of this has to do with the expectations that we placed on the program, that a lot of people placed on the program, but 
honestly, I feel like Wisconsin placed these expectations on the program as well with, with all the, the marketing and the PR this offseason about what the Badgers could be. So that's why it feels a little more desperate because the answers you thought were coming haven't come. But that Illinois game last year, it's it's the first time I could remember where it legitimately felt like Wisconsin just quit. Um, and so it's comparable, I think, as, as I'm rolling through this in my mind. It, it sort of feels comparable in terms of the lowness of the program. The problem now is what what is the response going to be? I mean, you know, Luke is here presumably for the long term. And, and I think based on what we've seen, now there are legitimate questions to be asked about what do you do with this staff? What what exactly can you do to change this around? Is it fair that you're having those questions after only 10 games? Yeah, it is because you get paid a lot of money. So I don't know what the answer is. <laughs> um, what Where do they go from here this year? Like what kind of response are you expecting from them next week? <laughs> I have no idea, um, honestly, because <laughs> we heard on Monday from Luke that the he felt as though Sunday Wisconsin ever. had its best Sunday practice. I saw a great, hilarious comment in my column about it, uh, something to the effect of there, there's <laughs> Sunday night champs, hang the banner. <laughs> <laughs> um, where do they go? I, either they crater or they rally together and do just enough to make a bowl. Um we saw this last year where Wisconsin's bowl game streak was hanging in the balance. And at least they played hard in that win at Nebraska. It was gritty, not pretty to borrow a term we've heard quite often over the years in basketball, but that's what they're playing for right now. You can say all the cliches about how they're, they're playing for each other and that's all true. And a few more weeks to be together. I can't definitively say right now that you're going to see the response that you need to see because the last two weeks have just been awful. It has been, it has been, um, the game itself real quickly. Yeah. I mean, you get a, a field goal on the first possession of your offense. It's the third time you've scored on your opening possession of the game. And that was the high point for Wisconsin, uh, because Northwestern took it to them the rest of the first half scoring, touchdowns on its first three possessions and, you know, really taking down, taking over that game. And Wisconsin looked disinterested on certainly on, on the defensive side of the ball and, and on the offensive side of the ball for that matter. Braylon Allen tried to give it a go. He was obviously not anywhere close to being ready. Um, and uh, that's a Northwestern team that is better than we thought it was going to be coming in. Yeah. But it's still Northwestern and it's still a team that was quarterbacked by a guy that, Luke Fickle knows all about having had him at Cincinnati um, and having him be your starting his starting quarterback last year. There are so many things that that didn't go right. Uh, I believe one of the questions that uh, someone sent me via uh, Twitter for our Twitter questions was was the best performance from the game that they didn't kick the ball out of bounds on any kickoffs. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and when I look at that, it's like maybe it possibly could be. I think you could put that in the top five easily. Maybe even the top. Maybe it's top two and not number two. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny because Wisconsin's defense allowed like thirty yards of total offense in the second half. I didn't mention that at all in my story because it's not worth mentioning. That doesn't matter when you give up two hundred ninety-four yards of total offense in the first half, 
And Northwestern came into that game averaging 292 yards of total offense for a game. They, they came in ranking 125th in the FBS in that category and yet exceeded it in one half. I think how I framed it in my story was that the, the fans booed Wisconsin when they ran off the field for halftime. And frankly, it was probably actually worth cheering because at least they were spared further misery uh, for 20 minutes during the halftime break. Like that's that's how I felt about that first half. It was absolutely atrocious. They made Ben Bryant look like the second coming of Tom Brady or something. He went down and threw a pair of touchdown passes, ran in the other score. Wisconsin's defense had a pair of coverage breakdowns that led to the touchdowns. You had um, Preston Zachman and Nizir Forkurine both going to the inside guy on the first touchdown, leaving the guy on the outside wide open for a touchdown. Alexander Smith was beaten on the other touchdown pass. And then Northwestern goes in there and converts each of its first 10 third down opportunities, which is just ridiculous. It should never happen. Um, and it's a kind of inexplicable because the defense was at least supposed to be something that this group could hang its hat on. It seemed like there were some encouraging signs while it hadn't always been consistent. But they go out against Indiana. They give it up a touchdown on the first drive. They give up a touchdown at the end of the half after Wisconsin's offense finally scores. And they're no better in the first half. They're actually worse against a Northwestern team that's that's not great. And Northwestern, I should pause here to give them some credit. They are five and five, just like Wisconsin. They are way better than I thought they were going to be. I mentioned this on Temple and Heilprin. If Northwestern came into that game as a one and nine team, I would not have been surprised at all. They've certainly had some low moments. They scored single digits and losses to Rutgers, Nebraska, and Iowa. And yet they played harder. They executed better. And they did this all with an interim coach in a season that has been extremely difficult for them after Pat Fitzgerald lost his job right before the season. But it's it's unacceptable and it's inexcusable for Wisconsin at this point to play the way that it did. You mentioned the offense scoring a, a getting a field goal on the first possession. They didn't score again until an absolutely meaningless touchdown with 11 seconds left in the game to account for the final score. In between, they punted the ball five times. Nathaniel Vakos missed a 40-yard field goal. They turned the ball over on downs, and Tanner Mordecai lost a fumble. And I think the 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 sequence that's most indicative of where Wisconsin is at right now was they had a fourth and three at the Northwestern 42-yard line. And what did they do? They punted the ball. Why? Because Luke Fickle, which he talked about after the game, didn't feel good about where the defense was at. And you clearly don't feel good about where the offense is at because you don't think they can gain three yards to keep, keep the chains alive. But Northwestern gets the ball and – did they score anyway? Um, now I can't remember. They were, they were back. They were back at the spot that they that Wisconsin punted at with one play because they got outside and, and ran yeah. for 35, 40 yards. Yeah. So it's just um, it's a mess all the way around. And the Badgers have a lot to clean up. It is. Let's let's hit on some of these Twitter questions. A lot of them are uh, statements more so than questions, but. Uh, I, I feel like this is one that we talked about in the press in the um, in the press box yesterday. Every time another flag was thrown, hmm. uh, Mr. Fay- Fairway wants to know if Jack Nelson is going to set a record for holding penalties. <laughs> yeah, so I was showing you the Pro Football Focus numbers during the game. Jack got penalized three times on Saturday. I believe he's been penalized twelve times this season. One of those was declined, but. Even before the game, he was leading the Big Ten in most penalties and was tied for seventh in the FBS in most penalties. And I understand that if you're a tackle, that's one of the positions where you can pick up some of those penalties with those holding calls. But it's it's really been a struggle for him um, for whatever reason this season in terms of 
the penalties and it it reared its ugly head again on Saturday against Northwestern. Yeah, this is a question that I think we have, and I don't know that we necessarily have an answer for it. Mark says, I get that this program is trying to make foundational change, foundational changes to how it plays so I can live with some struggles and disappointing outcomes, but why does the team continuously come out flat? It concerns me that the staff can't get this team up for starts of games, especially after last week. Nobody has an answer. I do not know the answer either. Hunter Waller, among many, did not have an answer, but he did talk about how <laughs> another thing that he said was him saying the performance that they had against Ohio State, it, it, he was pissed off. And he said, you should be pissed after losing a game that you could have won. Then he said, we come out last week and we're flat and we stink. We should be pissed after that. But then they come out and do the same thing. So, I mean, he, he said everything you needed to say. They've been soft, they've been flat, and there is no explanation another gold quote from him. There's nothing to say after getting your asses kicked pretty much sums it up. Yep. Um, ben wants to know if does fickle need to enter next year with a warm seat, the lack mm. of growth and almost regression. You can't preach championships and have this performance. No, I don't think so. You've invested a lot in him. There's a large buyout. He's got a seven year contract that averages $7.8 million a year. Um, look, year one hasn't gone According to plan, no doubt about that. I think at this point, what you have to do is evaluate the program. And I guess I'm speaking more for Luke and ask yourself, are there any big picture changes you feel you need to make? Um, because when you go into this in year one, you think certain things are going to play out. And he, he alluded to this particularly offensively, you know, what they want to be. It doesn't align with what the vision was, but I don't think, no, <laughs> there's not a, in my mind, at least a warm seat in year two of the fickle era. I mean, they went four and eight at Cincinnati in his first year and the next five years were nine plus one seasons. I know it's not the same type of deal, but I don't think so. Brad says, is Wisconsin just not a good football program? It's now multiple years and coaches that we trick ourselves into thinking Wisconsin couldn't even compete. Maybe they just don't have it and need to be, and we when Wisconsin fans need to be real with ourselves. I think that's a fair question. And I think yeah. it's reasonable to say that. No, yeah. look what we've seen the last, I just meant, I mentioned this before 23 and 18 since the middle of the 2020 season. No, they are not a good football program. That doesn't mean they can't get there, but what evidence do we have based on the on-field results? The last almost four seasons to indicate they're a good football program. They're losing games now to teams that they have traditionally dominated they needed 18 consecutive points late in the game at illinois to avoid another disaster otherwise we're talking about five straight losses in big 10 play and, and you mentioned this when we were in the press box so of course i included it in my story thanks zach they've lost mm -hmm. three straight three straight home games for the first time in 21 years so no they're not a good football program right now and i think we could understand eh, to an extent iowa but certainly ohio state but northwestern this yeah, Northwestern, Northwestern team? Indiana. Um, Fickle Effect says, this feels existential. I think Luke is still in the right person to build the program, but I don't have any confidence at this point in Longo, Trestle, and the rest of the assistants. Do you think he makes a move? So that's what I mean by him having to, to ask himself some of these big picture questions after the season. You're not going to do it right now, but I just think the lack of results opens the door after this season for him to seriously evaluate that and consider making some changes. I, I'm 
you know me, I'm not the type of guy who's going to sit here and say fire everybody. Um, it's, it's, it's not my decision to make, and I don't know whether that's the right decision, but the lack of results in year one opened the door for that is what I would say. There's not a chance in heck that all these coaches are back. Like, it's just not. Now, whether that's going to be at the offense for defensive coordinator situation, I don't know. But there's there's just there's not going to there's no way there's no way that you're going to continue to roll with the same guys if you're this is the type of performance you're going to get out of it. I and again, whether you whether the co- players want to say it's it's us, it's not the coaches. It is on the coaches too. It's not all the yep. coaches, but it's certainly on the coaches. And this is a situation where you have to. I think you have to make a move. And I, I do. I personally, I do think he is questioning his decision on Phil Longo. Um, based on some of the things he said afterwards, we have to be able to run the ball. We have to have uh, the ability to be, um, you know, balanced. These are all things that are. And again, the defense wasn't very good yesterday either. But offensively, they are on pace to average the fewest points since two thousand four. And these last, and it's again, it's not like they're playing a murderer's role of opponents here. They're not. And the fact that they have still haven't been able to find anything uh, that consistently can't throw the ball down the field outside of one play yesterday, they didn't even take shots down the field for the most part. Um, I shouldn't say that. There, there was a couple others, but it, they haven't been, they were nowhere close to connecting on those, uh, on those plays. So there is a whole lot of questions that Luke Fickle has to add to ask himself and, and figure out over these last two games. And then obviously into the, the off season, um, well, Wisconsin's averaging 21.2 points per game, five points fewer than last season, which was a disaster in itself. And, and I totally understand the the injury situation, which is something that, that we've said before Longo addressed on multiple occasions. And the, the one opportunity we had to speak to him during the regular season, you can't deny the fact that we, without Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi, it, it changes the dynamic. Braylon gave it a go. On Saturday, clearly nowhere near healthy, carried three times for three yards, had an eight yard reception, and he he came up limping and they just didn't even go to him anymore. So so that changes things because Jack Snaker and Cade Yacomelli try hard, but they're not those two top guys. But at the same time, you've got to have other people prepared. And I, I'm just the tight ends haven't been what they needed. I also wonder about the offensive line. And I know we probably got both gotten a lot of questions about the offensive line. If things aren't working. Why haven't they made a change? And maybe it's simply that they don't think the second five are good enough to be able to play, but it's not like the top five has been tremendous. Um, they just, I mean, they haven't shaken things up there. Maybe it wouldn't matter, but it's the performance really just calls into question everything. This is not an offense that should be averaging 21.2 points per game. Um. Marcus says the emphasis all offseason was how the team finishes and playing the best ball at the end of the year. How long are they waiting to do that? <laughs> well, it ain't it ain't going to happen this season, obviously. And it's tough because it is coaching. It is personnel. It is presumably talent. And I don't know what it's going to take to, to get there um, at the same time. And I mentioned this in this story as well. Like you can argue that, Fickle just needs time to get his own personnel together. But I mean, David Braun on the other sideline didn't have his own personnel and they played harder and execute better. I know it's the same system that they had before. So it's sort of an apples to oranges comparison, but this, it's going to take a lot longer. I don't, maybe that goes back to the, the whole weeding out comment that, that Hunter Wohler had is you, you got to do something different, but 
it's an across the board failure. It definitely is. Um, I, there, are, there are a lot more questions. Um, a lot of them uh, are re- repetitive over what we have already talked about. I'll get to more of them uh, when we do a show later this week. There's some there's some ones that I, I would like to talk about. But uh, this is this is a situation that I didn't think they were going to obviously we didn't think they're going to find themselves in. What are you expecting these next two games? Can they figure out a way to beat Nebraska, who's also lost two straight, just um, lost, uh, you know, lost last year, uh, excuse me, lost last night, lost to Michigan State last week. Can they, will they find a way to win one of these last two games? I have no confidence in Wisconsin being able to do that. And yet at the same time, I still feel like the Badgers will find a way to win one of these last two. Again, I'm basing that on absolutely nothing. All three teams are completely mediocre. Minnesota got annihilated by Purdue. Nebraska hasn't been particularly good, and yet they're better than what they've been in recent years. And they're fighting for a bowl opportunity, too. If Wisconsin has any any toughness, any fight, they're going to come out and put themselves in a position to beat a mediocre Nebraska team next week on senior day at Camp Randall Stadium. So I think the Badgers will find a way to win, but I say that having zero confidence in their ability to do so, and I didn't think we'd be at that point with Wisconsin football right now. Over under two and a half players that were on the roster yesterday will not be on the roster by the time they play game next weekend. I'll take the under. I, I that would surprise me. I do me wonder too. what what kind of lineup change. I do wonder what kind of lineup changes we might see. See, but here's the thing: like they they are going to continue to say this is what gives us the best chance. It's why they're going to keep on running out the same offensive line. It's why they're going to keep out run uh, keep running out the same uh, rotation at wide receiver, the same rotation at tight end. Tight end, they're kind of they're they're hamstrung. They really have a choice. They have yeah. guys behind these guys on the offensive line. And again, I'm not sitting here and saying it's all on the offensive line, and I'm not sitting here and saying that it's the entire offensive line. But there are guys that have continuously made mistakes that you're continuing to throw out there. And I just don't know how you'd continue to do that. I, I don't. And I don't really care what their uh, star ranking was coming in. I don't really care what they have done in the past in their career. What they're looking at, what they're looking like right now, certain guys isn't good enough to continue to be able to play. And if you're going to continue to hurt the team uh, and not play well, give somebody else a shot. You have, I mean, we haven't seen it in the game. And again, I know you give guys shots based on what they do in practice, but at this point in your season, you continue to roll out the same thing and are expecting different results. And that's called insanity. Mm -hmm. If nothing else, it sends a message that the results on the field won't be tolerated. And it is a a delicate balance because as you say, These coaches are with the players all the time in practice, and presumably they're seeing that certain players are in better position. They have tried some things. Some of them's been injury-based, but you got Vinny Anthony more opportunities. I know Chimray DK wasn't fully healthy. Christian Allegro was out there at outside linebacker, had a sack. So maybe you got to mix it up. Maybe it won't matter. But right now, Wisconsin is simply fighting for bowl eligibility and a chance to play in a lower-tier bowl game, and that's the state of the program. Woof. All right. We'll be back on Wednesday. Thank you very much, Jesse. Thanks, sir. All right, there is Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Camp.